0: We, as you are well aware, are in the book of Ecclesiastes, continuing our study there. Only two more classes planned for this study, if you can believe it. And tonight, our goal is to be in chapter 11, really the whole time in chapter 11. Only 10 verses, so we'll see if our discussion will carry us through to fill the time. I think we'll be okay. I think we'll get there. I haven't done this through many of our classes, but to start off, I'd love to do a bit of a review, but not, not a comprehensive review, it's a very focused review, kind of what I'm asking, from you remember. In previous classes, previous chapters, would love us to kind of paint the picture of what life is like under the sun, specifically, just some of the, the hard things about it. That the preacher has been sharing with the listeners back then, with us the readers today. What are some of the difficulties with life under the sun that we have covered up to this point? There's several, so just give me you know one that sticks out to you, and we'll kind of build a little list here. Sorry, what's that? Injustice is prevalent too. It's not just that it exists but it's, it's widespread, absolutely. What, what else, anything else? Fleeting. Fleeting, things are fleeting. Even when something is good, it is just gone. Too fast, it seems. Life is fleeting, nice things are fleeting, good. What else? Not only is there injustice, but the people doing it, they seem to be having a pretty good time often. They prosper. And that's unfair, and it irks us when we see that. Absolutely. What else? There are things
1: that we have been given to actually enjoy.
0: Yeah, there are things we've been given to enjoy, absolutely. It's not all hopeless. It's not all terrible and bad. But there is, maybe I'll tack on to that, there is some uncertainty, though. It's hard to know, when am I going to get the good, or when when am I going to be served some injustice, or when is that good that I had, when is it going to prove to be fleeting? And now it's gone before I even felt like I got my hands around it. So even the good things we have, there's, there's uncertainty. How long will this be here? How can I, can I keep this here? Can I ensure that my next year is just as good as this one? And I think the preacher said some of that is, yeah, man cannot know what, what's to be later in his life. Good. What else? Any other things that have... Stood out to you that, man, life under the sun is kind of hard. Everything, seems to be unsatisfying. Everything ultimately even is, uns- is unsatisfying. Even some of those good things we have, they are good, they're gifts, they have a purpose, but they still don't satisfy. And when we do focus on those things, then they, they become even less satisfactory, and we just need more and more and more, and they seem duller and duller. good. Any others that you've really thought, man, that that one really speaks to me. That, that really is a hard part about life. Yeah, there's such a, we have a tendency, because of life under the sun, how it works, to be self-centered, because it is hard, but there is some gifts, so we try to grab. Like, what can I grab for myself? Um... So there's limited gifts, there's limited resources I got to get for me, I got to get what's mine, and I'm going to hold on to it. And sorry, I got neighbors out here, but it's every man for himself right now. Yeah, well, it's so easy to, to live that way because of how things can be. Any others? Yeah, John.
2: Uh, work all your life to accumulate wealth and you die and some fool squanders all of it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, things seem unfair. Specifically, someone works, and so they're industrious, they're diligent, they work, and they get some reward from that, they get some wealth, they get some prosperity, but they die, and it passes to someone, and maybe someone that's never worked a day in their life, some fool who just couldn't care less, and now they just have all these good things, and they're just... Wow, this, this is great. This just failed to me. That seems unfair. We don't like that. And then it makes us want to feel like, well, why should I even be working, right? Because I just, just going to go to someone else. Absolutely. Those are all great. Those are all a lot of things. And they start to stack up as we go through the book and we read these and kind of the weight of this place under the sun gets pretty heavy at some where it seems to be unjust. It's unfair. It's uncertain. Um, God's providence, even the preacher will say he knows God is working, but God's not always swift with his justice on the, on the wicked ones that we don't understand why. And, and that can be frustrating that we know God is in control. We know he's working, but we just don't know what his plans are. And he doesn't tell us everything. And we want to know everything And that can be frustrating. The race is not always to the swift or the battle to the strong from a couple chapters ago. So even things that we think we figure out, I finally diagnose, like how does life work under here? You want to win the race, you be fast. You want to win the battle, be strong. Not always. Okay, now I'm frustrated again because I thought I was learning how this worked. There are all these things, the uncertainty, the unfairness that really stack up. And that could lead us to behave a certain way. That could lead us to despair a bit and to really, I think, go into ourselves, retreat a little bit and act a certain way. And I think in chapter 11 here, the preacher's gonna speak to that a little bit as he tells us how we should be living in spite of all this that we've talked about, all these seemingly hard things, these really unfair things, these difficulties, the uncertainties, there's still a way that we should be living. Uh, and we start kind of with this interesting expression here, right? Chapter 11, verse 1 Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give, your por- give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. So what does that mean, and why should we do it? Cast your bread upon the waters. Is there power in feeding the ducks? Is this what, we, is this what we're talking about? What is this? This is not an expression that you will find kind of throughout scripture, like, oh, oh that, that old Hebrew idiom. Yeah, people are always saying that. I know exactly what they're talking about. What are we talking about? Throw in some bread out upon the waters here.
2: Well, I'll tell you, told ahead, you uh, a thought about it and <laughs> see what everybody else thinks. I, th- I think it may be, if you, if you look at verses one and two together, he may be talking about being um, <laughs> benevolent, helping others, uh, hospitable that kind of thing and in time you may need somebody's hospitality and somebody's help in some way uh and about the misfortune here uh, if you f- spend your time and effort in helping many people you never know it might come sometime when you're the one that needs the help because you don't know from one day to the next what's gonna happen. So that's just a thought about what he may be saying here. Cast your bread on the waters.
0: Okay, great. Yeah John. Sam, what do you got? Oh
1: well the only thing that I would add is that and it's been a long time since I've dug into this and I couldn't remember, but I'm thinking that the idiom has to do with um you know like water that moves, creeks, rivers you put something out there and it's seemingly gone you think you'll never see it again and I think he might be saying you know you you give help, give aid to somebody like the good Samaritan you may never see him again however you may, God has a way of providentially bringing things back and they might remember you and say you know what you helped me long ago and I see that you might need a little help right now. Kind of like John is saying. Here I am. I remember what you did for me.
0: Good. Anyone have anything they would add or a different different take possibly? Jonathan disagrees. I'm just kidding. No. No, everybody's um, maybe
1: acknowledging what I initially thought this might be saying. It's hard not to notice the very strong similarities between what's being said and our kind of concurrent studies in the Second Corinthians, so you had a case where there were some with much, and in Second Corinthians 8 verse 14 at this present time your abundance is being supplied for their want, that there's a there's something that can come around that you may find it in many days when their abundance can also be a supply for your want um, goes on to say in chapter 9 a number of things, but that now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So those seem to be related.
0: Good, thank you. Is this, is this surprising at all? Does it, does it seem surprising to you in any way? Because I, th- I think it, it should to some degree. If we have just talked about for chapters and chapters how uncertain this world is and things can turn in a hurry and yeah, you got stuff now, but it could be gone tomorrow and yeah, some evil person might come take it from you and you might not get it back right away because justice doesn't always come right away when people do wrong. Building upon that, one might assume this would say, store up your bread when the hard times come, right? Like, yeah, you've got stuff now, so you need to really put it away. Get ready for a rainy day here. Don't, you know, don't just like eat all your bread, don't spend all your money, but you need to be smart with that. You need to put that away. You need to keep that for yourself because, you know, at any time, you know, the rains come and the trees fall, some of that imagery that comes later, but that is not that is not what it says i mean it does seem to indicate more what we're saying here is that hey because life is so uncertain you need to just be using what you have you need to be throwing it out on the waters you know as sam mentioned you know water flows if you if you throw something out in the water it's it's out of your control at this point right it it may wash up back on the shore to you in the morning it may go out to sea and you won't see it again for a long, long time if you see it again. You, you have given up control over that. In, in some ways, this is pretty counterintuitive to everything we've built up to this moment because our, our inclination, right, is, wow, life under the sun seems really scary. I need to hold on to what I got because I want to be ready for when it goes sideways. And here he says, cast your bread on the waters, You'll find it after many days. How important do we think that really is? If, if we're saying we're in agreement, yeah, I think this means I need to be taking what I have and putting it out there into the world for others, helping others. But really, how important is that? Like, is that really, I mean, do you feel that I, but I still feel like I should just be keeping some of that. Like, I can probably help myself better than someone else can help me with my own stuff. Like, h- how, do we, how do we reconcile how to put this into our lives and treat it with importance, I guess, if that makes sense. Uh, I
1: think sort of going back to your question earlier, like, is this a surprise to us? It would be if we didn't know who was in control ultimately. I think, you know, even going back to chapter five, we're talking about, you know, God blessing.
3: And in this aspect, you know, when we put stuff out like that, with benevolence
1: or whatever, who ultimately brings it back to us? You know, God's the one that rewards us for, for doing good. So I think we look at that aspect is, you know, what do we get out of it? Where we, we get God's favor, I think, for one?
0: Absolutely. God's favor is tied into this, for sure. And that's important. And we'll talk about that more in just a sec. we we'll ha- got another comment over here. Uh, all the way back in Deuteronomy, um, in 15, chapter 15 and verse 7, uh, scripture says, if there's a poor man with you, one of your brothers in any of your towns in your land, which the Lord your God has giving you, you shall not harden your heart, nor close your hand from your poor brother, but you shall freely open your hand to him and shall generously lend him sufficient for his need and whatever he lacks, and verse 10 says, you shall generously give to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and all your undertaking.
2: about to say, I suspect.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the scriptures do talk about this often, that we should not harden our hearts towards the needs of others. Um, that's a especially interesting picture, you know, coming on. A lot of us been talking about the parables this week with the kids, we think about the parable of the sower and some soil that was very hard and rocky, Go ahead, man.
1: Uh, hopefully I'm not going to be getting ahead of you too much here, but I think about there's going to be that natural tendency in us to say all of these bad things should happen, so I should prepare. I should try to watch out for what all could happen and prepare and, and get myself and my family ready for that. But you look at verse 4, he who watches the wind will not sow, and he who looks at the clouds will not reap, saying, okay, I'm going to try to judge the weather, and I'm going to sow when I think the weather's right, but he goes on to say, no, work hard, sow, and who knows if sowing at that time is going to be sufficient or at a later time is. So I think what I take it is in looking at this in the context of some of these latter verses is work hard and trust in the Lord, work hard and do your best and share your wealth, share what you gain and, and trust,
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. So you get this picture that the person that's determined to do this themselves, they'll almost be arrested at some, because they're just, they're trying to diagnose, like, is this the right day? Should I, should I? am looking at the clouds. I'm looking at, and it said, and he's not doing anything. He stopped, he stopped sowing. He stopped reaping. Um, but uh, uh, making allowance that God is part of this and, and letting him be part of this. Yeah, John.
2: Um, you ask how important this is if you read Matthew chapter 25, there where he said, I was hungry and you fed me, I was thirsty and you gave me drink and so forth. In that chapter, it was the difference between heaven and hell. So that's pretty important. The ones that helped and the ones that didn't.
0: Yeah, it's crucially important, right? Jesus referenced this kind of person, the person that would be willing to, even in hard times, share what they had with someone else. Um, in, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus is teaching in his hometown, and they are unimpressed. They are unimpressed. They, they, is, don't we know him? Isn't, you know, isn't this the carpenter, the carpenter's son? Isn't this not Joseph's son? In verse 22, and he said to them, doubtless you'll quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. Well, what, have we heard, uh, what have we have heard what you did in Capernaum do here in your hometown as well? Truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. And then he starts to talk about some people in the past. And one of them mentions here, truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months and great famine came over the land and Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. So Jesus says, there was this time in your history, Hebrews, they remember this, there was this famine for three and a half years. No one had food and water. It was terrible. And there were a lot of people suffering. There were a lot of people in need. There were a lot of widows, he says. But, and Elijah was there. Elijah was around, and he was sent to one person. And we may remember that. I think it's First Kings 17. Do you remember that interaction when Elijah shows up to this woman's house? He shows up, and they kind of, you know, How, how's it going? Not, that's not what he says, but, you know, they, they, they talk. What's, what's your situation? And she says, well, you know, there's famine going on right now. I've got enough food and oil to make one more cake, one more meal. So I'm actually about to make it for me and my child. We're going to eat it, and then we're going to die, because that's all we have. That's the plan. And Elijah, at that moment, does not provide her with anything. Does not give her extra cornmeal or to make bread. Doesn't give her extra oil. He says, okay, first, make me a cake. And, and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk some more. And here we have a woman who has this kind of heart to put her bread out on the waters. And she, rather than making her last cake for herself, rather than making her last cake for her child, makes her very last cake that she can make for this guy who has shown up and said, make this for me. And it will be be better for you, is implied there. And she has the faith to do that. And then we know the story that then she has food and oil that does not run out. She's able to continue to eat, to take care of her family. She's the type of person that was willing to not hold on to her stuff. And it's just interesting that Jesus says, throughout that whole famine, I sent Elijah to one person to take care of her. Now, he is also making some comparison to the people of Israel versus those living in Sidon. But it's not only those in Israel that could have the right heart when it comes to trusting someone to be able to help them, even trusting Jehovah. And in some ways, Jesus is making that comparison that why did Elijah have to leave to find someone that trusted God? And of course, the people hearing that, they they go into a frenzy. They try to throw Jesus off a cliff because they cannot hear what he's saying. We've already had several verses, right? This is very important to God for us to be this kind of person, regardless of how hard life is and how uncertain it is. And it is hard and it is uncertain and it is scary and it seems unfair. That doesn't mean, well, that I'm going into survival mode here and I'm just going to like, look out for me. Here the preacher says, cast your bread out on the waters Cast it out into a way where you don't have control over it anymore. And you'll find it after many days. This is not kind of a health and wealth promise that casts it out there, and then one month later, one year later, it will will come back to you 200-fold. You have the promise. That is not what's being told here, but we are being guided to let God be in control of this. No matter how hard and scary life is, Don't hold on to everything you have. Put it out there. Help others. Let God bring that back to you. I was kind of talking for a minute there. Any comments or thoughts there? Yeah, David.
3: I was just thinking about the idea, when you think about all the previous things that were warned about, the uncertainty, the unfairness, the injustices, and... And yes, and in that context, you, there are those who may prosper here and there, but Solomon reminds us that all of that is also uncertain. You know, you you, you can't take it with you to die; you may lose it. And so, you know, so, so, the idea of preparation and storing up, and you know, you know like be, so-called being wise in that way, is no guarantee. And so, I think it's interesting contrast. You know, you have you, know, you may go that route and it still may not achieve what you intend to achieve. And so you have a contrast with this. Instead of looking at life that way, you know, let's look at it from a
2: different viewpoint.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of brings in some of the, the next verses. We've talked about them a little bit already. But just that concept that, yes, it is certain This is a little paradoxical, right? Like, it is certain that life is going to be uncertain, but don't think that you have figured out how it will be even uncertain. You you don't know. We kind of get to these verses here. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. If a tree falls to the south, to the north, it will lie where the tree falls. There it will lie. So you get this thought that, okay, so we might have figured out to a point, hey, when it's a really bad weather, tree's probably going to fall. You know where it's going to fall exactly? No, could be to the north, could be to the south. So so just because we can start to learn patterns or indicators about how the world seems to work, don't think you can diagnose it perfectly and know exactly what's going to happen now, because we still won't know. Um, I had up there, kind of what's the difference between this and the man in Luke 12? I think we've covered that a lot. That's a man that was concerned about the future, and he was concerned about life's uncertainties, and he said, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to build really big barns, and I'm going to make sure my future is secure, and he's called a fool, and he dies that night because life is that uncertain. He thought he had it figured out, and he thought he had a great plan to secure his future, maybe the future of his family to come, a noble thing. to to want to look after loved ones, but the way he handled it, he's displayed for us as a fool in Luke chapter 12. That is not the response to this. The response is hard. The response to let things go when we feel more than ever, I need to be holding on to them because I don't know when I'm going to get the next one. And yet it's pretty clear here that not trying to clutch everything is what is advised here. Did I see any other hands or we kind of move forward a bit here. Anything about one day? Here we go. Um, We kind of talked about three and four a little bit. Let's go to, and you can still talk about verse three and four, but is there anything in verses five and six while we comically wait for this to go forward? There we go. Five and six. Uh, As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Do these verses kind of, I feel like they tell on us a little bit. Do they reveal, what do they seem to reveal about our tendencies here? Why does he need to say this to us? I've kind of implied that this is, this is not our natural mindset or our first instinct. So what might be?
4: I, identi- I identify with this one pretty well. Uh, something called analysis paralysis. I will try to plan what I want to do, what I want to accomplish. And all these conditions have to be met before I will proceed. But maybe what he's saying here is we should uh, just do what we know we're supposed to do, even if all of the conditions aren't exactly right.
0: Well, I like that. In some ways, kind of, again, pointing out the limits of earthly wisdom, of that practical wisdom that we can always need to know one more piece of information before we move, right? Before we do something, before we would sow or harvest. There's always another thing to look through, another contingency maybe. And it just says, you don't know. Like there's a point where we have to accept, I don't know, and I'm okay with that because God knows and I'm gonna trust him. I'm gonna do what I think I should be doing here. Um, Verse five is such a wonderfully worded verse. That's a powerful thought. I mean, even outside of the context of what we're talking about here, as we as people at large, all human beings, we, we can feel very self-important sometimes because we have figured out seemingly a good bit to us of how God designed things. As we, we learn more and we study with science and we, we learn, you know, how, how babies form and we, and we learn these things about the creation he's put together, we start to feel really important because we figure out a lot. We send people to the moon, in fact. Like, we're pretty good. And this, this verse, just still pointing out that moment that the spirit comes into the bones of a woman who is pregnant and suddenly, what once was one person is now two people. And can, can we diagnose that moment or explain exactly how that happens? Even, you know, a clump of cells, how a clump of cells now becomes a unique living being, we can notice it, we can say, aha, it's, it's now a person, but how it works, how the spirit comes in to the body, that's still God's knowledge. And as much as we learn We don't know that, and I think back then, people would have heard that, and they'd be like, absolutely, yeah, we don't know how that works, and we should be just as awestruck when we face that verse as well, and it's a good reminder that, wow, there really is so much that I don't know how God has designed how this works, how this life works here, what will happen tomorrow, and so it's a sober reminder to not act like I know how it works, and that I know this, A, always leads to B, and this is always what's coming, and I'm just going to plan for that. But to say, I don't know which will prosper, this or that. whether Both alike will be good. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to live by his word, and I'm going to go ahead and move forward. Any other thoughts or comments about these verses, or any that we've talked to up to this point? Verses 1 through 6. 6. Okay, so let's, we've got a few more minutes here. Let's consider seven and eight. Actually, let me, let me ask this. Let's, let's quickly, if someone has thoughts, what scriptures, other than this one we're talking about, can give us that strength to counter this tendency to want to know everything, and I'm not doing anything until I know how this is going to work for me? Are there those that you can think of that you say, well, this is, this is just supporting this thought as well and encouraging me in this way.
4: I have a reference here in my Bible that I've written in the margin, and it's of Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 11. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as it rains, and the snow comes down from heaven and do, does not return there without watering the earth and making it bear and sprout and furnish seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my words be which come forth from my mouth.
0: It shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire. As a powerful reminder, and maybe one... I'll speak my, for myself, and you, you internally agree or don't, but um, we can forget some of that verse. Not that we would forget it's there, but as we spend more time in the word and we try to grow closer to God, we can start to feel like, oh, I'm starting to like understand his will pretty well. And maybe I'm starting to know all of his mind pretty well. I've, you know, I've been a Christian for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and so, but that doesn't change. His ways are still... Higher than us, there is still so much about his mind that we do not know. He has revealed a lot of it to us, but it's helpful to check ourselves and remember there is so much we do not understand, and we should be leaning on him rather than just trying to figure it out ourselves. Yeah, Ms. Janita.
1: Deuteronomy 29:29. 29, 29. the secret things belong to the Lord our God,
2: but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law.
0: Absolutely. There are still secret things that belong to him, and are we going to trust that and let him hold on to those things, or are we just going to say, I'm going to figure them out myself here? Yeah.
1: One that we should all be listening or thinking about is Matthew 6, 33 and 34. And um, seek first his kingdom and righteousness. So, you know, and, and 34 says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. So if we are just worried about all the uncertainties, then we're not doing what he wants us
0: to do. Absolutely. Great thoughts. Thank you.
1: Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, some of my favorite passages just, I think, address this. When it's all said and done, trust in the Lord. You know, we, we shouldn't just trust in our own understanding, but acknowledge him in everything, and he's got it.
0: Absolutely. Well said. Let me move us forward a little bit here. Oh, we had another one. Sorry. Yeah, Joe. I'll, I'll just start trying to get this to go forward and maybe it'll be ready.
3: Uh, what comes to my mind is uh, God feeds the birds and uh, so he, he's going to feed us too. So how strong is our faith in God? We've got to put our faith in God and, and our knowledge of man and things that we can learn so how strong is our faith is kind of what my thoughts go to
0: that's a it's a great point there there is a direct correlation here right to if you if you want to know if you're curious you're introspective and you're wondering how strong is my faith lately you can look to things like this okay how, how much have i been trusting god lately how, how how much have i been trying to figure it out myself how much have i been just making all the plans, I'm keeping all my own things together, I'm not helping others because this is mine and for me, that's a good indicator of of where your faith might be in that moment, absolutely, because are we trusting God to say, hey, you've given me these things, I'm going to help others with it because I know you're in control and I know that you feed the birds, I know you're going to feed me, I know that you have secret things, I don't have to know everything about your plan, I'm just going to trust you because you're the one that can put the spirit in the bones of a woman who's about to have a baby and make that new life, that's not me. So I'm going to trust you to do that. Verses seven and eight, what in, what encouragement do you find there? Because this is kind of hard stuff to read. Uh, we read it, we're like, absolutely, I should be doing that, but it's hard, especially in the moments of difficulty. Reading these verses could be even harder because it's That's the moment I want to hold on to more stuff, and he's telling me to let go and to trust more. But is there any encouragement in seven and eight here that that you might see?
3: Treasure everybody.
0: yes as hard as it can be as uncertain as the world is at times there is light and when there's light it's sweet and it's worth enjoying we we again just building off this why would we rob ourselves of a sunny day because tomorrow it might be cloudy and rainy again. So I can't focus on today's gift. I got to be ready for a week from now. I remember it did rain a couple, you know, like while it's light, light is sweet and it's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. As hard as life under the sun can be, there is still some good. There is life, there is light, there, is, there are pleasant moments and you can rob yourself of them. If you are trying to figure out everything, you're trying to always be prepared for the, for the dark days, yes, if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them, but let him remember the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity, and so you have to be able to do both. You have got, to, we have to be able to acknowledge, yes, there's dark days under the sun, and I need God's help for those days, but when I have light days... I'm going to thank him for that, and I'm not going to be wringing my hands waiting for the next dark day, which is coming, and we don't know when it will be here. Uh, It's easy to read, but hard a little bit to put into practice, but also just freeing in some ways, right? I think the preacher would like us to just be free of this crippling need to control everything and to be paralyzed with fear and anxiety And just tell us, light is sweet. So when you have it, be thankful for it. Cast your bread upon the waters in light, in darkness. You'll find it after many days. Any other thoughts on 7 and 8? Yeah, we've got one right here. And then we'll try to... We've got about five minutes left, and we'll get to our last couple verses here.
4: For those of you who don't know, Sarah and I, um, you know, we've been married for nine years as of the 15th, wasn't it, of June? And uh, I'll be 41 years old when, when our son is born in August, if he doesn't come a little earlier than that. And I confess that part of the reason it was so difficult to commit to having children earlier on is because it's easy to look at the world, especially right now, and think, why would I bring a child into this world? And a question like that, if you step back for a moment and, and truly think about it, why would I try to make that decision for God when God is the one who's in control, when God has seen me in my personal life, uh, my wife and her and everyone in here go from being innocent children to rebellious individuals, and yet... While we were sinners, he sent Christ to die for us. And so now, on this side of it, I'm, uh, we're excited, we're ecstatic that our little man's going to be coming along pretty soon. And it is, it's a spiritual investment. You know, we talk about casting your bread on the waters. We, we're familiar with the, the idea of compound interest when it comes to economic terms. But this is an investment that we're making, that God is making through us, and in those dark days, which will come, I've seen them before, and, and, and we, we've all seen them, they will come again. If we didn't continue to multiply spiritually, if we didn't continue to, to get married and, 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 and have children and bring them into this world, well, there would be no hope. There would just be nihilism and, and, and emptiness. And so that's, that's what I the encouragement that I get from verses 7 and 8.
0: Oh, I love that. That's a beautiful thought. Thank you for that. And I love your the expression you use as spiritual investment. I'm kind of gonna grab that and springboard off that to kind of get into our, our last couple verses here, because I think that's a that's a key theme of, of where we are headed, and specifically in these two verses here. What question did I put up there? How can we apply the thoughts of these verses to our lives? Let me read them and then you guys tell me Rejoice, O man, in your youth. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart. Put away pain from your body. For youth and the dawn of life are vanity. So there's a lot and a couple verses there, a lot of thoughts, and some sound like they're competing almost a little bit. But as we're closing here in our final minutes, how would you apply... These thoughts here. Rejoice, young man, man, in in your youth. Let your heart cheer you, and so forth. Yeah, John, and then I'll get you,
2: Nate. I think he's he's saying, enjoy life when you're young and healthy and free from pain, (laughs) But remember, you, you give an account, so don't don't let it get out of hand. Why behave when you're young? That's going to cause you a lot of pain later.
0: Good. Yeah, yeah pretty much that. <laughs> <laughs> and any other thoughts, there. Yeah, enjoy life while you are young, while you can. But be aware. How you live your life has repercussions. You will be making waves. And specifically, know that all these things, God will bring you into judgment for when you follow your heart, when you follow your eyes, God's paying attention to where that, has, where that leads you and where you end up following those things. So implied there, make sure your heart is leading you to a good place. Make sure your eyes are leading you to a good place that you would be okay to stand in judgment before, right?
3: Sometimes I think we, we live in a society that is always looking forward to something. Like, we work really hard when we're young, so we really don't enjoy ourselves. We don't enjoy our families. We don't do those kind of things because we're working so hard so that one day we can retire with a lot of money in the bank. And I feel like, you know, sometimes we just need to enjoy life and enjoy life so much about everything that you know could happen or that might
0: happen and just enjoy each day. It's a great thought and really kind of ties back in into that opening some of those opening thoughts we had and that we can be so focused on like the peak like I just got to get to this plateau and it's maybe it, it's like an age or it's an amount of money or it's some accomplishment in life and that's all I'm focused on and it takes our whole life to get there. And then you've, you've missed your whole life, right? Because you've been focused on just trying to get to this place. Maybe because that's what you think will let you be, feel secure. That's the point where you think, now I can let my bread go out on the water because I've got enough, like in the bread bank back here. Now I'm willing to let some of it go. But yeah, live life today and stop trying to secure your life years and years in the future, doesn't mean don't make plans. Again, we can go to Ecclesiastes, we can go to Proverbs, and the preacher often extols practical wisdom about being wise with money and with planning and with being prepared. That does not mean we're just like, ooh, i just do whatever I want. He's already addressed that often. But yeah, live your life today trusting that God is going to take care of you. You do not have to fully take care of yourself. In fact, that thought, that mentality is harmful to us and we should not seek after it. We are closing down the class for now. You have made it to the golden moment. Well, next week you have made it. When not only are you allowed to talk about chapter 12, you are required to talk about chapter 12 with me next week. As we reach our thrilling, and it really is thrilling, conclusion of this incredible book. We'll be in chapter 12 next week. Thank you, as always, for your participation tonight. And I look forward to chapter 12 next week. Thank you.